Welcome to this very special Amazing Race 29 episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as ever is the Canadian who, despite how much he drinks, was not an invalid at the Amazing Race 29 finale party, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And I'm very pleased to say that finally, gracing us with her presence, is the queen of our hearts, souls, and minds, Brooke Kamhai. That is kind. Hello. Brooke and I have the same coloured hair elastic. Oh my god, we really do. You have more luscious hair than I do, actually. (laughs) I try. I've been grooming it for the past four years. Yeah, it took Logan meeting you at the finale party and me meeting you in London last year to finally convince you to, to join us, but it happened. I'm thrilled to be here. Are you kidding? This is so fun. I'm not going to lie, you were one of the first names we came up with when we were doing the interview series. It was like, we've got to get Brooke. We've got to get Scott. Spoilers for next time. Well, you know it's going to be four hours long because all I do is talk. Oh, 100%. And I'm fully aware of that. That's why you recorded before Scott, so I have more time to edit yours. So what have you been up to since your season aired? Apart from meeting your two favourite people in the world. Would that be you and Logan? Of course. Oh, yeah. definitely. The two best people I met from being on The Amazing Race are Michael Harmstone and Logan Saunders. There's, that's absolutely accurate. That's while making it to the podcast. Yeah, I will sound clip <laughs> that immediately. <laughs> I also want to be in the intro. I'm a little jealous that Scott's fans, I mean, I heard that scream firsthand. So they, of course, they edited out the part where there were like people on the, the ridge in um, Greece, and I had everyone screaming for Scott. He was so scared. I actually felt for him so much because, you know, Scott can be dramatic, and you know that, which is great. It's part of his charm, but he was paler than pale. Like, he was, and he's not, he doesn't tan to begin with. Like, he was pale, and so I felt for him, and so I had everyone cheering his name, and that scream was the most genuine. Like, that was not put on. He was fearful, and shaking and I felt for him and if I could have done that for him I would have done that for him because it looked fun so I'm a little jealous that he gets to be in the in the um theme the music yeah the intro music the problem is you never really said anything smutty the whole clips of there is like the dirty clips that I've just pulled from the face cream clip I am certain that if you went through everything, you would find something. There's, there's, there was nothing really inappropriate you said. You were just a quote machine. I don't think you'd want to go through everything. Yeah, that's a lot to go through. You're a quote machine. You never said anything inappropriate like magic in my fingers or uh, I'm all wet. Well, no, because it's funny and they probably wouldn't have aired that. So you just make do with being the queen of our hearts, minds and souls. I love that. That's a title. I like that. So what have you actually been up to since since your season aired? It's been a long time. When, well, no, I guess we aired. We finished airing a year ago. So I have been working and traveling and living life as normal, as a normal human being. Although I will say I was out to dinner the other week, a week ago or so, with a friend of mine who was on Survivor. And we were at this little Cuban place. And the hostess goes, oh, you were on The Amazing Race. And I was like, holy to which he said, excuse me, I was on Survivor, but she didn't seem to care. <laughs> so I felt special. I do love how many connections to reality TV people you had even before the race as well. Because, like, you've got Jill Arnie. I mean, that's really the only one I knew. Did you not Did know I Eliza? Did I know anybody else? I, th- I thought you knew Eliza. No, no, I met Eliza after, after I was on the race. I must have said something that's fucking theme song worthy. All right, whatever. You're just thinking of something to make me go through the episodes now and try and find it for you, aren't you? I'll go through the episodes, and I'll be like, go to episode four. I'm sure there's something, well, because they cut out a lot of episode four, because I did nothing but curse. 
Yeah, there were, there was two particularly iconic episodes that may or may not be brought up in our conversations. One is, of course, episode four with the ladle, and the other is one of my favourite episodes ever in the history that of the Amazing nine. Race. It would that be would nine. Be you are correct. Nine. The two worst days that I had out there. I think. Can we talk about seven? Seven, where I jumped over people, like oh, I went course. from last place to fourth. Can we talk about like twelve? Twelve ended all right. <laughs> I mean, let's just talk about nine. Let's just, guys, I would really appreciate if we could talk about two things. One, I would like to have an entire discussion on ladles and mannequins. And two, I'd like to talk about the Belgian mole. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> you know full well that in a conversation with me, as you may have heard in the past two podcasts, I love that episode. And I know, I know. you guys don't, I but know. it is absolute art. It is so funny from end to end and it's not just because of you guys but it's mainly because of you guys like starting with the the thing that inspired our entire theme music in scott scream to then just the vietnam meltdown there's no other way to describe it it's wonderful television maybe not wonderful to be there but wonderful television i mean i can watch it now and laugh sort of as a viewer i'm sure you you go back and think oh god i can feel all those emotions coming back but as a viewer generally, it's just a wonderful episode if you don't know those people necessarily. I think I watched that one with London and sort of think Shamir was there. I don't think Vank was there that week. I, yeah, it was not. It was. I can watch it now and laugh. And the even better thing is that I saw online about two days after that episode aired that someone had then compared a gif of you shouting at Scott to a gif of... Flow pretty much in the same place shouting at Zach. And it was just, yeah. it was poetic. I feel like I know people who know Flo and they say she's great. I actually, Jelani grew up or went to high school with Flo. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they grew up in the same town. He says she's awesome. So you know what? I'm happy to take the comparison. But you've never met Flo. How have you not met Flo? I haven't met her. She was at the, she was at the start line for 30 um, but I was at a wedding in Maine, so I was not there. But we um, we did we FaceTimed in. We got to speak to Elise for a second. We said hi to Phil and um, Vank FaceTimed in for us from from Maine, and so we got to say hi to Justin and Diana and wave at people for a hot second, and that was that. And I did mention this to Brooke on the the chat before we started recording this, but I was looking through my notes from the preview, and I think Brooke is the most on the nose person that I've ever got in a preview. Even more than Shaolin and Bila? Yeah, because I looked through it, and the notes that I had for Brooke was, she's going to win, number one. She was the only okay. person I said winner edit for. Said you wanted a super fan, wanted someone supportive. I am wanted, that, right? Wanted to, wanted to go to Greece. I think they're oh, going to yeah. be high maintenance. Scotty had in his, in his um, bio that he didn't want someone with the words I can't in their vocabulary. Okay, we write those afterwards. And so... We were making a joke, like my first my first draft of that said I want a redheaded gay man who will carry my backpack. Like he wrote that as a tongue in cheek joke because we knew how it was gonna air. I didn't know I was gonna say that so much. Who knew? Yeah, that was gonna be my next question because we've mentioned it in the past on on recaps that we know for a fact that people can at least rewrite the bios after um after they finished racing. So sometimes you get subtle clues. If it's shorter the bio, the, the the less they make it into the race, we've discovered. Yeah. Really? With my bio yeah, like, I mean, I have, like, five, six bullet points just copied over on my notes for this from your bio. In contrast to Jessica and Brittany or Cedric and Sean that had 
pretty much no answers in their bio. In fact, Cedric left some answers blank last season. <laughs> so how did you actually become a part of the race? Because I feel like this isn't a story that necessarily airs for most people. I watched the race since episode one when I was in college and fell in love with it. I have made every, whether it was Sunday night or Wednesday night or Friday night, whenever it was on, whoever I was with would have to watch it with me. I got significant others into it, even if they didn't like it, they weren't allowed to talk to me. Like it, my, it was my favorite show. It is my favorite show. Um, I applied four times and finally got a little bit of traction. And I think Jelani is probably a large part of the reason I ended up on the race because um, I feel like you probably know this story. I was with a bunch of girlfriends on Shelter Island and out, in, out at the end of Long Island. And I saw Jelani at the bar and I knew exactly who he was. And I said to my girlfriends, oh my, and I had just sent in a video for like my most recent video for The Amazing Race. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And my girlfriend, Dana, who filmed one of my videos was like, what is wrong? And I was like, he's on The Amazing Race. She's like, well, talk to him. And I was like, okay, hold on. So I said something loud enough for Jelani to hear. And then had my girlfriends all be like a little flirty. So he would come over and he introduced himself. And I said, how do I know you? And I was like, oh my God, you're from The Amazing Race. Like I didn't know. And I told him I had just applied and he'd asked me, he said, you know, give me your video. I'll send it in for you. And he did. And the rest is history. Awesome. Yeah. So I owe him a present. I've asked him what he wants several times. He's not nailed down anything yet. So other than the one time he said a half a million dollars and that wasn't happening. (laughs) (laughs) And at the start line, was Scott your first choice? Yes. Who was your second choice? Seth. Or Floyd. I, so... Scott, um, I remember Floyd from our finals week. And when we were doing our, so we get to LA and we're doing, we get all these briefings and there's a section where you can sit down and ask questions. And I was seated next to Seth and we were both left-handed and he was taking the most copious notes. And I was like, oh, this guy is, he's ready. And then he asked a question. And I was like, he's smart. And then, so I asked a question, but I didn't want to like let people know that I knew it too well, but I did have a question. And so I sat next to him and I said, okay, so if I don't get Scott, who I had seen during finals week and we sort of not supposed to speak, but we like made eye contact and sat next to each other eating. And so we would speak to the production assistants loud enough that the other one could hear, but we never, you know, didn't break the rules or do anything we weren't supposed to do, but we just sort of ended up being next to each other a lot. And so I think sort of both knew that we wanted to to work together when we got led into the park in L.A. for the start line. They lined you up in an order. And I was it was Seth, then me, then Logan. And I was like, all right, well, either one of these guys will be good. They can, you know, help me with my backpack. And I just thought they were going to say one and two, you two, you two, you two. And we didn't know how it was going to how it was going to go. We didn't know how we were going to get paired up. So I just figured either one of these guys next to me is great. I'm happy. And then when we found out that we had to go run a couple miles <laughs> and get a bag with the Panamanian flag on it and come back, I was just happy not to come in last. That's all I cared about. Well, you had Cavino there, so you were never going to come in last. Well, but he went twice and he still didn't finish that far behind. Dude is fast. He's like an ultra marathon runner. I know, but he's he's our butt monkey. We love mocking him. Well, so you go on the race and you think there's going to be some couple in their 60s. There's going to be people who've never left the United States. There's going to be people who are the easy first boots. Like, they're going to be the old people. So I prepared, but I prepared by knowing the show. 
And I took a couple rowing classes and I climbed a rock wall and I was like, I got this, no problem. I mean, this is good. We, you have no idea how much running there is with this shit. It's unbelievable. And so when I, when I came back with still several people behind me, I just felt like that was a victory on day one. I came in 16th out of 22 and I was happy. That's all that matter. And then I realized we get on the race and I'm like, oh fuck, we're the old people. I was the second oldest girl there. Tara was only one year older than me. And we were the old ones. I'm like, we are the old people. <laughs> Maybe we're the first boots. And I felt that way on leg one. I thought we were going home. I honestly think that even if 29 wasn't a schoolyard pick, it probably still would have ended up a lot of similar pairs. Like, the, uh, yeah, obviously you and Scott producers' yeah. favourites. It was always going to happen. But, like, even Tara and Joey, obviously. Becca and Floyd, obviously. Oh, like, Becca lo- and Floyd were meant to be. Yeah, a lot of the pairings would have happened regardless of whether it was a, a stranger season or not. I think Kevin and Jen would have ended up together. Liz and Mike were a good pair together. I, I mean, Ashton and Bank probably would not have ended up together, and Shamir and Sarah probably wouldn't have ended up together. But for the most part, yeah, and, and Franny and Jesse probably wouldn't have ended up together only because they got a little tiff at the very beginning. But then they became, like, super close friends. I'm sad they went out early. I've spent some time with Franny since she's, I mean, they're both great. I just haven't seen Jesse much, but everyone's just cool. It was fun. We had a whole year of a very demented group chat because we weren't allowed to talk to anybody. So we all got really, really close over the course of that year that we couldn't speak to people. So given that you managed to do the entire season, were there any places that you wanted to go to that you didn't? Um, I wanted to, I'm a scuba diver. So I wanted to, I wanted to do anything in water. I'm a, I used to be a lifeguard. I was a swim instructor. I'm better in the water than I am on land, which doesn't say a whole lot because I'm not great on land, but I can actually swim. And the people who knew I was going, which were a very limited number of people um, who signed non-disclosures, like there was a whole, if you're a girl and you're going on the amazing race, there's a whole issue around what bathing suit you big on the amazing race. Like this is a big deal. You're going to be on national television. You have to make sure you look good in a bathing suit. I never got to use my bathing suit. I was pissed, man. Like, so we never ended up in the water one time. I know Floyd also wanted to go in the water because he can swim. He's a swimmer. And we never got to one time. I was mad. I wanted to go anywhere swimming. I wanted to dive with sharks in South Africa. And, um, yeah, I wanted to spend a little bit more time in Africa. I did not want to go to India. And I'm happy we didn't. I don't do well. Like, even in Times Square, it's too much for me. I knew that there would be some sort of 20-hour bus ride or... In our case, 19-hour ferry ride or some long, miserable mode of transportation about halfway through or a little more than halfway through the race. I was just hoping we weren't the 24-hour bus ride in India. Was that ferry really that miserable, though? Because it looked like you guys just got to hang out. Um, it was fun for the first handful of hours, and then it was not. Um, there was limited food. We didn't have, like, rooms on the ferry, so people were sleeping in the stairwell, or there was one room that was kind of like a theater, but it, not really. There were just like seats to sit in. And so we slept across seats. I remember Redmond slept like under the seats I was sleeping on by the floor and he had stolen a pillow or something. Like, no, it was not. By hour, I don't know, 8, 12, 15, it was not great. Was that the worst place you guys had to sleep? Because I have to ask this question to everyone. Did something rival the Jack Shack? My least favorite place to sleep was probably Becca's favorite place to sleep. In Norway, we slept in tents. I 
don't love to camp. Um, so I had a fever on legs. I was sick on leg two. And then by leg five, I was a little bit better. And then leg five, it hit me again. It was cold. I had brought one of those. Um, you know how when people run a marathon, they wear those like silver cape things afterwards to regulate their body temperature. I had brought a little sleeping bag version of that. So I was in that. I was in a cold sweat. I actually tried to sleep in our car and production told me I couldn't sleep in the car. I had to go back to the tent. But then they told me I could have slept in the car, but I had the car on because I was getting heat. But I was told I couldn't sleep in the car. So we slept in the tent. I woke up so unhappy. I That was not fun. But the night was fun. We took, we made a fire and we had hot dogs. And when you got there, they gave you a shot of like an Aquavit, like vodka too. And they gave us an extra bottle of it, which I half remember it being water or the extra bottle, but the first shot was real. Um, the night was fun. We all sat in our own little tents with our, I remember Vank poking his head out of his tent. It was just the head, like a floating head. And he looked like a turtle. It was so cute. And it was just, it was fun until it was freezing and it was miserable. Some people were going to get up and skinny dip at the first thing in the morning. I was not those people. People sleeping in the stairwell, that sounds like a Saturday night at a Rado's apartment. <laughs> or just a daily occurrence. That boat, I mean, no, that boat wasn't the worst. And I, we slept on the steamship in um, Italy. I think sometimes there's something to be said for keeping your people uncomfortable and cranky. It makes for good TV. Like, no pillows, no blankets, sleep on the floor, and then get up and run. We didn't sleep much that night, actually. Um, on the steamship, so at leg... In the middle of Lake Six, as we were taking the ship to Lake Como, um, we got on the ship and there were there was food and there was wine and it was wonderful. And then we're like, okay, where do we sleep? And it was the floor. And you washed up in this little bathroom, which had a lot of spiders in it, which, Michael, I'm sure you know, the one thing in life, one of the two things in life I'm scared of, I have a debilitating fear of spiders. So I wasn't loving that. Africa was not great to me. If you... I'm jumping around. But if you look up, if you notice when we rip our clue at the beginning of leg, I want to say four, I don't want to stand on the mat because there's a big spider like right up in the corner. And I, you can sort of half see me like looking at it and ripping the clue and just wanting to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. But that sh no, nothing about it was good. It's not a fancy spider from any book or movie. I don't like any of it. But on that boat, we like, rather than be uncomfortable, we just basically chose not to sleep. And Michael and Ashton and London and myself, I think it was just the four of us eventually by the end of the night. And I gave up earlier than them, just pocketed a couple of bottles of wine. And it was like Rado and the girls just drinking through the night. Getting drunk, Liz. I bounced out earlier, but he ran that whole next leg. He was good. I can't say I'm surprised. Well, they left that leg right before us, so Scott and I ended up running a good chunk of that leg with Mike and Liz, and it was just the most entertaining, fun time. Like, they were fun to run a leg with. Has Blair ever mentioned the uh, the Japan pit stop to you from his season? I didn't need to ask anything. You've told me about it. <laughs> I wasn't sure. It's my favorite behind-the-scenes story we've ever heard about. He's told me, we have compared Amazing Race stories. We don't talk about it that much, because he probably should have won his season. But, uh, yeah, we've compared stories and partners and the whole lot of it. Oh, good. Yeah. I agree. He should have won his season. So just talk me through Tanzania generally, like the entire ladle challenge. I loved it. I mean, 
When you can wake up in the morning and go make a ladle, like why wouldn't you want to do that with your time? I feel like hands down out of the 23 days that we raced, it was my finest hour and I would do it again. Just it smooth, was- smooth sailing. It's smooth sailing like the like the boat over to uh, the Tanzanian mainland. Exactly. Um, Scott and I did not choose roadblocks well. At the end of that leg, when we checked, in the beginning, we switched it around. So there was no roadblock on leg one because of the partner picking. Um, when we got to the, to the mat at leg four, Phil looked at us and said, so out of the three roadblocks, you've chosen two of them wrong. And I looked at him and said, but we're still here. Like We did. We didn't choose well. We were not paying good attention. I remember when we got to the cooperative, it was like woodworkers and steelworkers. And the clue said, who's into heavy metal? And I was a musical theater major in college. And so the first thing Scott was like, oh, it's musical. Do it. Like, I think maybe he thought it was like a steel drum kind of thing. I'm not sure. I don't know. So it's all Scott's fault. No, no, no. It's not all <laughs> Scott's fault. We're a team. Um, but I but I said no to everything, obviously. So I was like, I shouldn't do this. I just remember being like this. We're at a metal shop. Like this is, and you guys know, there's always one brute strength task every season like one task that no matter how smart you are or how well you know this game it's not going to help you so we're there and i'm going i shouldn't do it i shouldn't do it and i've I've seen that episode more than once and he's like i think you should and i'm like you want me to do this you're sure you're sure and he says yes and i was like all right and we open it and i just they edited it out but i just cursed my brains out it was like builds a ladle from i could tell you exactly what it said because i have it written in my little journal but it's like take a piece of sheet metal and some rusty garden shears and make a ladle that's perfect for spooning pot. Like, it's just, my heart sank. I remember the feeling of, I'm going to cost us this race, and it was a bad feeling. You don't want that as a super fan. Although you picked wrongly, it did provide us with both the ladle moment and Scott having to do the bungee jump. Well, that's really what we want, Michael. Our goal (laughs) was not to do well or win. It was just many, many, many months down the road to provide you, who we'd not met yet and didn't know of, with entertainment. (laughs) And if we did that, then our journey was complete. If more people went into the Amazing Grace thinking, we need to provide some entertainment, (laughs) that would be great for me. Because Amazing Race Canada hasn't. Oh, I've never seen Amazing Race Canada. The whole reason we're doing interviews this time is because we're just bored of doing the same things for Amazing Race Canada over and over again. Canadians are so nice, though, so it's probably just a lot of people being nice. They're so nice, they never travel outside the country, and when they do, it's shit places. Where did they go last time? Uh, Last time was a sponsored trip to China, then Thailand, and the other international leg they did was Panama. Oh, well, Panama. They did Panama City right after you guys did. Yeah. It's it's impossible to navigate that place. Which is wild, because if you come to New York and you say, where is the Empire State Building, or where is the Statue of Liberty, like... We could tell you where it is, or at least generally. You could see it. Well, that too, but you can't see the Statue of Liberty from the Upper West Side, but I could tell you where to go to get there. Nobody in Panama knows where the Panama Canal is. It's crazy. It's what you're known for. My Uber driver knew. Well, where was he when we needed him? <laughs> we got there uh, fairly quickly. It didn't take us eight um, hours. Only for you, It was a good 20 minutes from my hostel. Only for you. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember uh, when Logan said, oh yeah, I'm going to Panama. We just started making 29 leg one jokes over and over again. 
Oh, yeah, Scott was making jokes about it, too. He's like, good luck finding the Panama Canal. Yeah, because it's, it's like the Loch Ness Monster. It exists, maybe, but who knows where. It's crazy. I got to see his ships go through it. So Panama was the most difficult place to go to, then, in terms of navigating. Um, Maybe only because it was first, and nobody really knew each other, and it was a self-drive leg on leg one, and and, and we didn't see each other for a long time. We ran into Seth and Olive on that leg, and Seth was, because they were in first place when they got to the canal, and we were uh, fourth, maybe, um, and Seth's like, yeah, it's that way. And I remember Scott going, is he telling us the truth? I don't know, does he, does, is he gonna, does he want to help us? Does he want to hurt? Like, we, we were paranoid beyond. And so we didn't see anybody for hours. And, you know, it doesn't say at the bottom, like, currently in fourth place on the bottom of your screen. Like, we had no clue. I sat there going, oh, my God, we're out on leg one. I was so concerned. I was concerned the whole time. You knew that. It might have been the most difficult because it was first. Um, Greece was a self-driving leg, but at that point, we were working a little bit more like a well-oiled machine and working with other teams. And we were with them, Matt and Redmond and us basically caravan to where we were going next. Mike and Liz didn't want to get in on that caravan? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike and Liz. Um, <laughs> I spent that whole car ride crying and they didn't air a bit of it because it showed me being nice. Um, <laughs> Mike and I have made up a very long time ago and he accepted my apology and we moved on. So it was not a one person decision. It's not all fall on me. But it in part does, and I take responsibility. I apologize. Sorry, I Next question. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the Mike and Liz stuff. Do you regret you sitting them? Yeah, I regretted it the second we did it. I got in the car and I started crying. And Scott said, this is a game. Do it. And I was like, he was right. We had London and Logan and Scott and I were working together at that point, just trying to keep each other out of the bottom. Because I was slowest, you know? And... Scott and I are uber, uber fans of the game. And the logic was, if you can slow somebody else down who's already going to be slowed down, do it. And I felt horrible. And I got in the car crying that I didn't want to be responsible for ending somebody's game. And I was told to buck up. And so I bucked up. But at the same time, please know, we had no idea that Mike and Liz were lost for hours. We had no idea that Beck and Floyd were lost for hours. We didn't know where they were. So as far as we were concerned, we knew Tara and Joey were right there, and Matt and Redmond were right there, and we didn't know where London and Logan were, and they were working with us. So what happened was we got to Greece, and we were dancing in that circle with people because Tara and Joey were dancing in a circle, and we were like, okay, this must be what we have to do. And I remember from the clue, it's something about, like, Kalari Tavern, and I looked up, and I started to creep out of the circle because I knew I couldn't beat people in a foot race to it. I saw the, I saw the board, and I started to creep away, and then I yelled, Scott! And he ran. So we got to the board, I don't know, a couple feet before Tara and Joey and Matt and Redmond, which is the only reason we got there first. And they were both right there. So what are you going to do? You're going to U-turn someone who's right right behind you? That's a waste. And we had an agreement. And London and Logan said that they would have done the same if they got there first. And, you know, I, I felt horrible about it. And I still do. I wouldn't, if I could go back and do it, I would fight harder to not do it again. But we did it and we made a decision and I have to stand by it. The other side to that coin is, how awkward was it at the finish line when Mike had to go here? I'm very surprised that they didn't air that, by the way. If, if your edit was as bad as it was, I'm very surprised that they relegated that to secrecy. So, behind the scenes thing, just so you know, we got to, we finished that leg, and we got to the hotel, and we didn't know who was eliminated, because you go to your rooms, and until the next day, you don't know who's still there. 
And so I actually had a little time and I hand wrote Mike and Liz each their own little letters, just apologizing. And I asked production to give them their letters because I found out the next day they'd have been eliminated. And I said, can you give these to them? And they didn't get them to the finish line, but you know, it was awkward. It was bad, but you know what? If someone had done it to me, I probably would have been just as pissed, if not more. I get it. We deserve it. If feelings were fresh and, and I get it. And thankfully both of them have forgiven us and understand that it's a game and and I feel crappy about it and I would not I would want to do it again I actually wouldn't want to U-turn anybody it's a horrible thing to do to somebody and on the plus side your biggest challenge I think was something that wasn't necessarily shown on the race that much keeping Scott from flirting with everyone Scott had a boyfriend in every city I mean God bless him forget every city there was a flight attendant and now I have to say this we're both flirty people, so it's fine. Like, nobody was doing anything inappropriate. There was not, I, you know, no, nobody crossed any lines. But it was hilarious. I remember at one point, like, I was fine with it. There was, like, on the planes and stuff because we didn't have anywhere to go. But at one point, I was like, hey, come on. But it was, that was fun. That was funny. And when we were climbing, when I was climbing the rocks in, in Italy, the rock climbing instructor was a very handsome Italian man. And the reason I'm such a lunatic on those rocks and saying I'm so concerned is because you don't see the Scott was flirting with the instructor and he was the only thing between me and certain death and so when I'm saying I'm very concerned it was because I didn't know if he had me well even earlier in that leg Scott was doing the roadblock and he he was just shamelessly flirting with the Italian guy next to him I mean I couldn't see that had I seen it I would have been like focus it's just part of his charm it's funny I like it it's just Pete Scott. There's no other way to describe it. It's just him. Yeah. Did he flirt with the mannequins too? Those mannequins were asexual, so no. They didn't. They didn't respond well to it. Even when he was not flirting with locals, he was flirting with like Redmond, Joey. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh huh. On the end of one of my notes, I've just got that Scott called Joey daddy, and I can't even remember the context of it, but I know he did. I believe it. There was a lot of daddy going on our season. It was very odd when he was in season two and he was flirting with uh, the gutsy grannies. That was probably... I w- I'm glad that scene didn't air on uh, on TV. <laughs> oh, man. How aware of, of Scott's uh, one-liners, shall I say, were you? Uh, some of them very aware. But, um, no, I think one of the funniest things he ever said, I didn't know until I saw the show, um, it was in Greece. And I... And I laughed out loud and paused it and texted him because we weren't in the same place at the same time. Um, we were doing, I was doing the roadblock and I got it on the second try and I, I remember him going, oh my God, it's a race for first place. And then he's like, but second, second's good enough. Like it was, it was really funny, but it made me laugh out loud. Some of them were really funny. Did he ever find his express pass, by the way? Oh my God. That it's, one was it's... not funny. If Scott Flannery had pulled an express pass out of his ass after he made me do that ladle, I swear to God, he would have had, I don't know what I would have done to him, but I would have done something bad. It was bad. He would have and, had to jump off, do the bungee jump without a cord type of I, bad? I mean, I don't want death, but you know. Um, and the worst part is we were in the airport in uh, maybe South Africa on our way to Tanzania. And I was sitting next to Floyd. We were all in a circle. And I said, you have the express pass. And he's like, no. And I just, there was something about it. I was like, you have it, you have it. I know you have it. And then we just sort of dropped it. 
And had we known that they had it after when we were in Dar es Salaam, I would have had them give it to us in exchange for that key in Freddie Mercury's house. I think they would have traded for it at that moment if it had been known that they had it. But then, Michael, you wouldn't have had the beauty of the entertainment of that horrible <laughs> three and a half hours that I spent trying to make a ladle from scratch. So, you know, you're welcome. That was less entertaining than Scott on the bungee jump. I'm not going to lie. That bungee jump looked like fun. So you said you wanted to uh, to talk about Belgian Mole as well. Please tell me you watch it. No. Ah. But I'm going to because I yes. actually listened. Who were you talking to about it, Jen? I listened to some of these tasks that you were talking about, and they sound, like, ridiculously cool. They sound intellectual, which I like. Like an escape room underground? That's absurd! I love it! Coffin escape rooms. There was... What else did we have? Well, it was in Mexico, so it was all sort of tangentially themed around Mexican culture. So you had loads of piñatas. You had a literal Mexican standoff. You had a a hedge maze with live ostriches in it? That's absurd. First of all, you know, they're not like that. London, Kay, is not an animal person. If we had to do that, she would not have been happy with that task. When we were on the ferry going to and from Zanzibar, there were a lot of chickens. There were people carrying chickens, which I can only assume did not make it through the night because they were probably dinner. And I remember joking around with her because I'm a huge animal lover. I'm Every time there's an animal task, I'm thrilled. When we saw the donkeys, I was very excited. Just steps in poop. That was a good look. Right? And it was. Who knew? But then she stepped in poop. <laughs> so I was joking around about following her around with a chicken. She's not. A, but that ostrich in a hedge mate sounds terrifying and awesome. And I want to try that. Yeah, you know how I say that episode nine of Amazing Race 29 is one of my favorite episodes ever? Yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, the combination of the drunk museum heist and the ostrich maze is one of my favorite Belgian mole pairings ever. I also think I could be good at a drunk museum heist. Oh, it, like my chat with Jen did not do that task justice. It is just so funny because they know nothing about it beforehand. And this is all on the same season? Yeah, well, this was all on the same season, those two tasks. They were back-to-back episodes. So I have to watch one season? Well, they, that was last year's season, then me- the Mexico one was this year's. I have to watch two seasons. How? Where can I watch the Belgian Mall? We will 100% provide you with links. And they also filmed the season before that was in Argentina, which had some really cool tasks and a really good cast, too. Yeah. It's just stunningly beautiful television. These people seem like assholes. Like, I just sort of love how twisted these tasks are. Well, the thing is, at the end, sort of towards the end of our Belgian bowl coverage this year, we interviewed the host. We actually Mm -hmm. got to sit down for, like, two and a half hours with him the day before they filmed the reunion. Which is your dream come true. Which was, like... Every dream come true. It was amazing. <laughs> and he was the best. That's awesome. But I basically just accused him of, because he's the showrunner of the show as well, I basically just accused him and the producers of being psychopaths because they're cray-cray. I do not know where they find these tasks from. That's amazing. Have they ever done anything with spiders? Um, The mystery box is cockroaches. Yeah, that's the closest thing I can think of to spiders was the mystery box challenge from last season. I do remember my father called me when season 30 was airing, because my parents are big Amazing Race fans too. And he, and I was about a half hour behind the episode. I wasn't watching it live. I was, I had gotten home a little late from a dinner and he's laughing his face off. And I was like, what is so funny? He's like, and he's like trying to get out the word. He's like, you couldn't have done this. And he's just laughing and laughing. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's saying the Amazing Race, the Amazing Race. And I was like, I'm behind, let me watch it. And I called him back as soon as I got there. And I was like, I probably could have warned them. 
the eating them seemed difficult. There's something about a crunchy, I don't know. I would have done it. I would not have eaten a spider. I would have taken a penalty in a heartbeat. Or made Scott do it. Well, no, if it was a robot, I, I don't know what I would have done. In fact, before I got on The Amazing Race, there was talk about would I do Survivor? And my answer was I would eliminate myself before the first commercial break because I would be so horrible at Survivor. I mean, between back surgery and a fear of spiders, and no, now knowing people who have been on Survivor tell me that at night there's literally no light and they would walk out in the jungle just with their hands in front of them hitting spider webs and God knows what. No, no, no. I could not. I said if Survivor was filmed in a Four Seasons, I think I would do okay. To which I was told that's sort of Big Brother. And I don't watch Big Brother, so I'm not really sure how I would do with that show. But I can't imagine being trapped in a house with that many people without going ballistic on somebody. I know Scotty loves Big Brother, but I've fallen out of love with it. Scott should be on Survivor. I think he wants to go do that. Oh, Scott on Survivor would be amazing. <laughs> Not only because Scott would probably win it, but he would make... He would just do great confessionals. He'd do great confessionals. The thing is, people know him. I think that they would know he's cunning, and I think they, if they were smart, they'd get rid of him real fast. Yeah, but I think Scott could charm them. That's the thing. I'm not sure he would be able to bite his tongue all the time. No. I think Scott would know to save it for the confessionals, and, you know, he would actually be probably on his best behavior, around others at least. There's so much hesitation with uh, Brooke agreeing with you, Michael. Yeah, silence is golden. No, I think Scott would be great on Survivor. I think that he would be wonderful. I think if people knew it was good for them, they'd get him out fast, because I think he could win. He would be a threat. Are there any shows that you would do? Anything that isn't necessarily still airing, but any other shows other than Amazing Race? Um... I have an unhealthy love for the $100,000 pyramid, like a twisted unhealthy love for it, sometimes at work, after hours, not during the day, obviously. My friends at work and I will go online and pull up like old bonus rounds and play the pyramid. I've loved it. I want to be on it. If you know anybody, email Michael Strahan. I want to be on the pyramid. Yeah, you're, you're a quizzer as well. I forgot that. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. I mean, years ago, I was on one other show. It was called Hollywood Game Night, and that was awesome. And then the race. I, I don't see myself. I couldn't do Survivor, and I don't think I would like to do Big Brother. But now that I know the animal of the amazing race, I, yeah, call me back. Like, that would be fun. It'd be fun to go back with people you know, too. It would just be great for you and Scott to dominate again. Yeah, Scott and I have talked about it. We When this season was filming, we would text and be like, I cannot believe they're so-and-so, or I cannot believe this is where they are. I can't believe this who's just went home. Like, why are we not there? And we had some serious fear of missing out this time around. But we have a representative from season 29, so go back and Floyd. So I guess the big question is, why do you think you guys won? Other than being, you know, a stellar top-tier Amazing Race team. Uh, I think to win the Amazing Race, you need to have a knowledge of the Amazing Race, and you need to have a good amount of luck. There are so many things on this race that are not actually in your control. You know, you get one bad cab driver or one bad set of directions from somebody who swears they know where you're going and you're out. So it's a little bit of luck, a lot of brains, a lot of knowledge. I mean, I think Phil said it. You don't need to be the strongest. You don't need to be the fastest, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But you need to be able to adapt well. And I think that's something that Scott and I both in our regular lives do, you know, my job is a lot of thinking on your feet and sort of pivoting when you need to pivot. And I think that's a really 
big factor of something that you need to be successful on the amazing race. So we were students of the game. You get to that last leg and there was no way I was letting us put our backpacks on that plane. You get to every leg of the race and you're right. We were writing down notes. We wrote down every word from every clue at every time. And you could have asked me anything like who came in, I don't know, third place on the fifth leg of the race. And why did they come in third? And I could tell you, like, it's just, and I could tell you to this day, it's just memories that you're not going to lose. And you just have to make sure that, you know, because when you get to that final day, you know, there's going to be some absurd memory task that you need to be able to have the answer to. So being able to think on your feet is probably the biggest thing that you need to do well. In the- Who did come in third on the fifth leg? Beck and Floyd. And they took the fast phone and they came in third. I am very impressed. <laughs> yeah, not that I should actually be impressed because, you know, it's not a surprise that you still know it. But No, Tara and Joey came in first. They ran with Matt and Redmond, who came in right behind them. Beck and Floyd came in third. They did the fast forward. Van Ashton came in fourth because they drove up that damn mountain because there was a restaurant at the top and there had to be a road to the top, even though we decided to run like idiots. And then we ran with London and Logan, who came in right before us. At fifth, we came in sixth. Mike and Liz came in last because they got in a car accident and fought the way up the hill. It was a non-elimination. We kept racing. Boom. See, the disappointing thing about that Norway leg is the fact that you guys were so close to getting the fast forward. We nearly got Scott doing a skydive. And you know what? Beck and Floyd have the damn express pass. They should have just let us, well, either one or the other, give it away or give somebody whatever. Actually, no, they shouldn't. Let them do their fast forward. That looked incredible. So I have been skydiving and bungee jumping. The heights things don't, they scare me, but they scare me in a good way. I will happily do them. I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. So we saw that helicopter and we were so close. And then they took it and Scott was so mad and he was yelling. And I was like, dude, we're in second. Why are you yelling at me? And he's like, yeah, okay. He wouldn't have wanted to do it anyway. Dude made it very clear. He doesn't want to jump out of a plane. He doesn't want to jump off a bridge. And yet we were that close to getting him doing both. The great thing about the bungee jump thing that I did forget to mention is the fact that the clip I use for the intro music isn't even from the episode. It's from the preview of the previous episode. They actually changed Scott's scream. Is it one long scream on the episode? Yeah. Uh. Because in the preview, they actually use the one that fits perfectly with the Israeli Amazing Race theme. And in the actual episode, me being a complete nerd about this, because I can still remember this from a year ago when I edited it, going back, they actually just used the one long scream and it was really hard to get. Because it was a toss-up between you guys who was getting the banner that week. It was so close to being Scott doing the bungee jump. And then I was like, but Brooke getting consumed by the mannequins is funnier. But I was eaten alive by mannequins, so... Yeah. The funnier one did win out. Oh my god. You and Scott still have the record for most banners, I think, by the way. I think you had eight between you. Great. And there were so many alternates for the for the last one as well. There was like three or four different Brooke and Scott ones for that finale. What was the finale one? The finale one was you guys at the finish line realising you'd won, but I also had the Brooke and Scott cheering one, and there was a couple of others as well. I have one of those pictures up in my apartment of us at the finish line, just because we knew we won Yeah. at that point, but it was just so, it was this moment. On your application, it says, describe your perfect day, and I had written on my application, I'm like, it's July of whatever, 2016, I'm like... I'm running to the mat with my partner, and Phil says, you know, 25,000 miles, nine countries, whatever, whatever. Brooke and fill in the blank, you are the official winners of the Amazing Race. I was like, this is the day. It's been something I've been dreaming of forever. And who gets to live their dream? Very few people actually get to live out something they've dreamed of for almost half their life. Like, that's wild. So we 
we got really lucky. And the cool part is we're both such huge fans that we're in the car as we're getting there. And we're like, oh my God, our moms are going to freak out. Because <laughs> we both used to watch with our, like our parents. Was the finish line as silent as Rado said as well? No. <laughs> no, it was not. So apparently they got into the park several hours earlier and they did like a lot of shots of just cheer and cheer, like for nobody coming. It was just get the shots and cheering. People were cheering and there were hugs and there was happiness and we all jumped up and down like idiots. Are you still planning on flying to Amazing Race Canada next year, Logan, by the way? We've not had that conversation yet. Why, why is that coming up? Yeah, I'm applying again for it. Yeah, right. Fifth time applying for Amazing Race Canada, seventh time applying for Big Brother Canada. Why are you not on any of them yet, man? I've been close. Well, do better. I feel like you have the perfect resources during this interview series to find out why you're not getting cast. <laughs> That's just everyone criticizing my audition tapes. <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. Oh fun, can we see your audition tapes? Uh, I think Justin is going to help me out with them first. There's one that Logan has sent me, the... Uh... My first, it was my first Amazing Race Canada one, yeah. I will tell you that my first Amazing Race audition tape uh, not my first one. This time around, I did three or four recent, like on the most recent round of them because they wanted another tape, another tape. My first one's production value was fucking fantastic. It was basically a Mission Impossible movie. It was so great. It had like a musical score. My sister-in-law scored it and edited it. It was incredible. And they were like, no, no, this is not what we want. And so then they wanted just like talking to the camera. So we had like, clips of skydiving and scuba diving and this and that like no no just sit down and talk to the camera the fourth one i am drunk on tequila and red wine in front of my friend dana's fireplace and she just is like she holds up questions for me to answer and i am just not a care in the world talking to the camera and uh, jesse from casting writes back finally a good one and i was like are you kidding this had no production value that's not what they wanted they just wanted raw honest why you're gonna be the best person for the show have you ever seen Redmond's? Yes, I think so. Because I, yeah, I remember him at the end telling people to go away, or like fuck off, or whatever. It says get the fuck out of it. Yeah. I always hold up Reds as an example of an amazing casting video because it just makes me giggle every time I watch it. They actually showed me Jelani's as Jelani and Haley's as examples. And Jelani's makes me laugh because it's so a heightened version of who he is in real life. It's just over the top and it's funny. But they're right. Like, he needed to do what he needed to do to get on, and then you're more yourself. Exactly. You're just a heightened version of yourself. Yeah, well... You don't say I can't all the time in real life, I'm, I would assume. No. And I cry almost never. Well... When was the last time you cried? It was during a movie. It was animated. I don't want to tell you. We make fun of it. Um, Toy Story 3. I have not seen Toy Story 3, but I feel like I should. It's supposed to be one of the best movies ever. I'm going to watch Toy Story It's great. Okay, now I'm going to watch Toy Story 3. But which animated film did you cry at? Next question. <laughs> you know I'm going to keep asking. Was it Disney? DreamWorks? Probably Pixar. Is that Disney, Pixar? Oh, yeah. Pixar, Pixar. Pixar is separate from Next Disney question. Oh, The Incredibles. Next question. I didn't see The Incredibles. Next question. <laughs> Please, can you just insult Logan more? It's very fun. No, because now I'm just going to keep going through all titles. Let's see. You know what? Who had terrible Amazing Race uh, titles was the first season of Amazing Race Canada because the, they didn't even quote it after the contestants. The producers just came up with terrible puns for the Amazing Race some for some of the titles from the first season. There's one from season 27 that's entitled "It's Always the Quiet Ones." I mean, that's 
kind of perfect for Brookie. When I applied for a Heroes edition, it was the first time that they didn't even contact me back. Apparently, I'm not a Canadian hero. Are you aware of the fact that Amazing Race Canada has done all heroes this year? I am. Ugh, such a stupid casting twist. So you don't like the Amazing Race Canada this season, I take it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not that I don't like it, it's that I'm getting increasingly disappointed by it. It's diminishing returns, because they're doing the same thing every time. Yeah, but you know what? I'm one of those people who doesn't care. There's all these people online who are all just regular people, regular people. Like, everyone's a regular person. Like, it's, I don't understand that logic. Like, a firefighter is still a regular person. Yeah, it's, it's not even that, though. It's the fact that they're forcing people and giving them the title of hero, so no one's going to use a U-turn. No one's going to try and backstab each other because they're more afraid of what people are going to think of them back at home. And it's like, don't give a fuck. You're going to win. I mean, they called season 30 champions, and there were, I mean, Joey Chestnut, he's a champion. Like, I get that. The IndyCar drivers, yeah, okay, champions. Like, I think the debaters are champion debate. I get, I get some of it, but I don't think it followed through for the entire season. No, but, like, some of them are really tenuous. And then with, like, the locations and stuff, they're, this week they're going to a town of, like, 500 people. What's the point? What do they do in that town? It's a, an old... Yeah, it's an old Yukon gold rush town. So it's like 500 people, boring task, because they always do a dancing one every time. They're giving away three express passes, which is my least favourite twist they've ever done. Okay, well, I would have loved a dancing task because musical theatre major in college, we never got to dance, we never got to swim. It was basically amazing race, let's not do the things that Brooke's really good at. And yet Brooke still won. But although I did sing opera through college, and when we got to Venice and we saw that option... I got so excited. I was like, I don't care what the other one is. We're doing this one. And Scott and I actually got the yes on our very first try. It was great. But then... Didn't you have to sing it twice just in case? No, we had to sing it a second time because there were like drop-off points around the canals and we hadn't gotten to one yet. And so they said, just do it again till we get there. So we just did it twice and it looked like we didn't do it right the first time. But we did. Never take that shirt off again. To quote Kavina. Oh, yes, when we got to the mask painting, he looks at Scott and says, never take that shirt off. But yeah, Amazing Race Canada's bringing back a triple express pass, which no one wants or needs. It's just like, they're not trying anymore. It bores me. You know what, I gotta give Beck and Floyd credit. I'm glad that they didn't use it. It was kind of nice to have a season where there was no sort of... Drama. Unfair, yeah, drama. No sort of, like, unfair advantage. We were affectionately called team drama, maybe not so affectionately, like... I called Beck and Floyd team comedy, and I called us team tragedy, so we were like comedy and tragedy. You gotta laugh at it eventually. But you were team Will and Grace, and they put a stop to that immediately. <laughs> well, it's the wrong network, I guess, so... But it was so perfect! We have, like, someone... There was a Jew from New York, someone was a lawyer, someone was a redhead. Like, it was perfect! Someone was gay, like, the whole thing was perfect. But no. No, they couldn't help us with that and, and actually reward us for suffering through the really stupid team names. That's okay. If my team name was the worst thing that happened to me that season, that would have been fine. I feel like we just ended up talking about how sort of negative you were portrayed. <laughs> you know what, though? There were some horrible people out there. I mean, thank you to Mike, who told them all to shove it, which was fantastic. But I tried very hard not to respond to people. I know in the season after mine, like, I reached out to Brittany and I was like, you're wasting your breath because she would respond to a lot of people who were hating on her. I mean, if it made her feel good to do it, fine, but you're never going to change anybody's mind. You know, they take on average 30 hours of footage 
and edit it down to what 10 minutes max in the later episodes that you're seeing and so like in episode two where i fell over a crack of the sidewalk that looked like falling over my own two feet and for the following i don't know six hours i said oh my arm you know three or four times but they show those three or four times it's like that's all she talked about so you know they can take anybody's full day and make it look all positive all negative or otherwise and you're never going to change somebody's mind so you know, people can think what they want to think. They don't know me. I'm not who they think I am. Anyone who knows me knows otherwise. And you just have to, I've learned you have to just laugh at it because it's, it's sad. It's. I feel like we were fighting the good fight to try and stop people hating on you too much. I appreciate you guys. And I will say that CBS was fantastic about if there's anything you need or if there's anybody you want to talk to, they were really good about because they knew what I they knew what I was going through. So kudos to CBS and to Jesse, who was the casting guide, who was the one who was like, I'll, I'll you know I can get you any information that you need or anyone you need to speak to or whatnot. They were really good about that. So there was still a certain degree of aftercare for you because Jen said there wasn't for for them. Oh yeah. Like Brittany had no aftercare basically. Did she ask for it? I'm not sure. We have we obviously haven't spoken to Brittany about I it. I mean, but... I will say that I got messages from Phil. Um, Bertram, Jesse, like, yeah, there was a degree of aftercare, definitely. I feel like CBS, you know, there were definitely people in there who'd made the decision on the edit and who, who did it, but no, there was definitely a degree of aftercare and I have no, nothing bad to say about CBS and Bertram's amazing and Phil's amazing and Jesse's amazing and Erica, who wasn't my particular casting person, but is helping me raise some money for this charity that we're doing is amazing. Clang, yeah. just just drop that in there. The other guys talked about it too. We're all going to Florida in August for the Give Kids the World charity. I'm sure they've already, if they've talked about it, they, you guys know what it is, but um, Give Kids the World works in conjunction with Make-A-Wish and there's a village in, in Celebration Florida that provides week-long vacations for children with terminal illnesses and their entire families. And I went last year and it is the best experience. You get to meet the kids, you get to meet their families, and we get to raise a whole bunch of money and participate in these great dates. And we get to meet Amazing Race fans. And I loved it. And I cannot wait to go back. It's a month from today. And Michael (laughs) thinks he's going to raise more money than anybody else, but I'm going to take him down. He's offered to have a tattoo on his... uh, On his arm. He told me about it. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah, if people raise enough money, then... uh... Whoever raises enough money can decide what he gets and where. As long I'm as, not getting another As long as it's not, and I quote, face or neck or feet, don't be an asshole. <laughs> I like that. That's fair. Don't be an asshole. That's cool. Will he get the tattoo of the words don't be an asshole somewhere that's not on his face or neck or hands or feet? Oh, I wish that I could get away with some of the episode titles I wanted for radio. My favorite was dripping like an asshole, but I didn't think people would appreciate that. <laughs> From how much he was sweating in Africa? That's hilarious. And he was in all black, long sleeves, long pants because of the tattoos. Oh, it was so hot. So why do you think you got such a relentlessly negative edit? Who hates you? (laughs) You know, I asked that question. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, every season needs to have a team fun. Every season needs to have a Vank and Ashton. Every season needs to have characters. If we were all... Amazing Race Canada heroes, it would be boring as hell. Like, they're not going to do that. 
Um, I think how it probably happens is you have a moment. And for me, it was probably in episode four where you have like your meltdown or your big whatever. And they, they see that's how, you know, this is what she's going to be. And it's fine. I'm never mean to a local. I'm never disrespectful to a country. I doubt myself and I'm down on myself and I think I can't do things. And if you watch my season on mute, I look like a rock star, but you know, it's all characters. It's all heightened versions. You know, I did everything that they showed, but I did so much more that made it more balanced that they didn't. And so, you know, it's what you sign up for when you sign up for reality TV. I'm not who the audience thinks I am, but that's okay. Let them think what they want. They don't know me. I feel like usually with winners, if they have a negative moment, so for example, the ladle incident, it's sort of peak negative for for you guys was the ladle. And then usually you get sort of the, the redemption arc. And I don't think you guys necessarily got it until probably South Korea, when it's just like, yes, I can do the cup stacking. South Korea was so nice because it was cool out. There were no stairs. It was, <laughs> we didn't have to lift anything extremely heavy. It was good. And I liked both of those tasks. Like I grew up with a little brother and played Street Fighter and I could have, that was fine with me too. So that was like a fun, there were quirky tasks. Like I played piano for a lot of years. So like dexterity, that was, that was great. I got very excited. I remember when we were in Italy at the end of seven, like seven, and it was painting a mask and singing in Italian. And I was like, great, these are, these are great tasks. It's for the weaklings. Like, yay. I'm like, where's the task where we have to play the piano or listen to music or, I don't know, swim and dive down and get like all the things for Brooke. I feel like the race became more Brooke somewhere around seven. I'm not sure you would want to go swimming in the canals in Venice. You would definitely catch something. There are some people who went swimming in the river in Panama. Thank God that wasn't us. But apparently there are alligators in that water, so... Yeah, it's more the, the diseases, I think, in the Grand Canal in, in Venice. I, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to be dodging cruise ships and catching something. That's fair. I think had you done the Street Fighter task, though, we wouldn't have got another great Scott quote in, uh, that is rude, I am a woman. Did he at some point call someone a bitch? Was yeah. that him or Joey? Yeah, that was Scott. We had Tara in one corner sort of being relentlessly Brooke-style negative and uh, just hating life. Tara was showing pictures of her children to the competitor, to the professional guy, which I thought was, I mean, that's a great strategy. That's great. I mean, no, they didn't care, but like, that's like, I'm a mom. Help me out. Like, this is for my babies. Like, that's a great strategy. If I had kids, I would have done that. And then I do <laughs> But that, apparently that, that guy ended up playing like with one toe. Like he, he was there. I, I feel for her because her in South Korea was me in Dar es Salaam, I feel. She was there for a long time. Here, once you get 70 rounds in, you don't even use your one toe anymore. You just strap something to your head and you just communicate with the TV screen telepathically to get your character to move. I I don't don't, even touch the controller. We left and um, apparently Matt and Redmond caught up and Matt was doing well. Like They didn't finish that far behind, actually. They made up a lot of time. If only it had gone slightly differently. Didn't Joey call... um, call Tara's opponent a pissant as well. It sounds like the sort of thing Joey would say. I mean, I think it got, probably got a little bit worse when London and Logan and Scott and I left because that's when it gets really stressful. I know when everyone was leaving the ladle task, I was like, oh God, like, what do I do? Like, there's nobody left here. And thanks to Michael and thanks to the bank, um, Redmond Health, like it was, oh my God, I'm forgetting somebody. I shouldn't forget somebody. There were four people. 
Becca, obviously Becca, um, because we helped her with the key and she came back and helped us. I had to make two of the bottom part of the ladle. So some of that help, I, I wish they'd stayed around longer. But um, it's this feeling of just despair when you're a fan, like I'm a fan, or when you get so far in, like Tara and Joey got, and to just be like, oh my God, this is where it ends. Because you don't want it to end. Look, don't get me wrong. The money is fantastic. And I think a lot of people go on thinking I'm going to win the money. But, you know, on your application, they say other than the money, what's the most important thing for you? And I just wanted to go around the world. Like for me, I've loved this show for so long that I just wanted to make it, just wanted to make it to the end. Then when you're close to the end, you're like, oh, shit, I want the money. But, you know, I remember when we got to leg, we finished leg eight and we're like, oh, my God, we're more than two thirds of the way there. We may actually be able to do this. And that's when it became a little bit more about, you'll hear Scott like on the bicycles for a million dollars, like just do it. And we're like, all right, and I'm birthing a child. It's twins this time. Mm-hmm. Now what's Octomall? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, that is a one gear bicycle on roads that are dirt and rock at best. It was hard, but it, the I guess the grunting helped me keep moving. I didn't stop. I didn't get off of it. I didn't try to walk it. It was hard. So... It was so hot in Vietnam as well. Oh my god, it was so hot. I'm not, I mean, we only saw Floyd coming and going because he had to come come back twice. We didn't see him get eliminated. But yeah, I cried then. Obviously, I cry. So I watched that episode just crying and I called Floyd. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's not on here yet. And I'm like, okay, well, two hours from now, remember that I called you and I was like, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert, you almost Spoiler alert, you go TV. home tonight. Like, oh, he is just sunshine. He, I want Floyd's view. Like, he's like my spirit, like my spirit animal. He is just happiness all the time. I'm a huge fan. Which animated film was it you cried at? Okay, next question. How do I tell you things? I don't know, Brooke, but it's fun. <laughs> is it even possible to cry in Vietnam just because of how dehydrated Your everyone is? Like, how did tears come out? Vietnam, it was... I don't ever need to go back to Vietnam. I'm sure, actually, there are very lovely parts of Vietnam. And the people were lovely. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, everyone, it was very cool. I remember getting there and seeing a family of five on, like, a Vespa. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a child who's got to be three months old being held by a woman with no helmet and two other kids. Like, it's incredible. And the way of life is just cool. That having been said, I don't understand why you would ever need to carry mannequins from one place to another. But whatever. Read your clue. To anybody who ever goes on the show, read your clue. That is rule number one and rule number two. And thankfully, they didn't read their clue because we would have been last that leg. I can definitely vouch for uh, Vietnam being ridiculously humid. Like, I was only in Ho Chi Minh City for one day. And as it happens, I'm going back to Vietnam in a few months. But it was just so hot. It was like 90% humidity. And the mosquitoes are the size of your face. Like, they're... I, I guess I'm allergic to mosquito bites. I get bitten everywhere i had this amazing welt on my arm that they actually drew, medical drew a circle around to see how much bigger it would get to see if i needed to worry and it was my whole arm swelled up there are mutant mosquitoes in vietnam yeah i think there may have been mutant mosquitoes in thailand as well when i was there because i don't know how i got bitten when i was in thailand and my ankles ballooned did you go like start drifting off towards the sky like by the time i came home because I flew back from Singapore as well. By the time I came home, it was oh, just insane. Yeah, you've seen it, Logan. How much worse was the humidity in Vietnam compared to Panama City? A lot. A lot worse? Yeah. 
Panama was hot. Vietnam was almost wet because it was hot. And also, though, in Panama, we were driving around in air-conditioned cars. In Vietnam, we were riding around on one-gear bicycles. Although, I have to say, leg two of Vietnam, where we were actually riding on the bicycles, no, that was really hot, too. I remember on leg one, we were so wet with sweat that the mannequins just kept sliding, like, <laughs> down us. Yeah, Vietnam is a, is a human place. Very humid. Those look like fat baby feet. Oh, my God. That was three days af- after I flew home. Oh, my God. They were huge. That was after they were, like, they were, like, twice the size they should have been then. They were three times when I flew. They were so big that I actually couldn't, like, get comfortable on the flight home. Because I, I just couldn't move. Did you have to buy new shoes? Get, like, go up another size? Like, or like size show Bob? Wrap your feet in newspaper? Whatever. Yeah, luckily I had, uh, like, sandals with me so I could just unstrap them and just sort of hobble along. <laughs> We got to Abu Dhabi on the way back, like halfway, and my brother basically just had to carry me through the airport because I couldn't move. Did you let him carry you or did he just offer to carry you and you said, I'm not an invalid, I'm not Yeah, I, I told him I'm an invalid and to just keep going, basically. Mm-hmm. So many great lines that should have been episode titles. I felt badly say after I said that, I was like, oh crap, someone's going to get mad about that. Surprisingly, people didn't. No, that didn't bother people. Ladles do. Yeah, it was just you not being able to do a ladle. No, or me talking about the guest list to a party and the first round of invitees and the second round of invitees led to, like, mass hysteria. What would be the third round of invitees? I mean, you're on it, Logan. Um... <laughs> you're still below Vankin Ashton. I'm the backup. <laughs> no, first of all, no, I love them both. Vank is the coolest motherfucker on the planet. I love him. Everyone just assumed that I didn't like Vank. And first of all, it came after a comment that somebody else made on the air about like being really proud to get rid of them. And if I'm having a dinner party for eight people and I invite eight people and two can't come, then you just invite two more people. They're still your friends. Like, I don't understand. I didn't think it was a bad comment. They're still there. But they're still your (laughs) friends. I mean, if they're not your friends, you don't invite them at all. Nobody, whatever, it's fine. (laughs) I feel like some things were misinterpreted. That was one of them. So what would you say is the biggest thing that Amazing Race taught you? Shut the hell up. Was that a message for Michael or was that the the lesson? (laughs) No, no, I love him. I love him. Like, he's just, he's funny and he's kind and I'm a fan. Um, Logan, though, can go to hell. No, it's interesting to watch yourself. I didn't realize that I talked so much. I I mean, you saw, I talked to myself. I talked to everybody else. I talked to inanimate objects. At one point during your favorite episode, I have a conversation with a stop sign. Like, who knew? I didn't, didn't, I honestly didn't know that I had my internal monologue was not internal. And it took seeing it to be like, oh crap, why am I telling myself I can't? I am. I mean, I may not be doing everything great or fast, but I'm doing it. So whatever. I think I've stopped or at least significantly decreased doing that. And I've gone hiking and running a whole bunch of times since then. And have you taken any metalwork classes? You're such a dick, you know that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. I do appreciate it. You guys have not asked that many personal questions, which is nice. Thank you. What's your favorite color? Or is that too personal? Green. I like green. Who's your favorite out of me and Logan? Michelle. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> you like Michelle more than Michelle likes her family? I'd have to, right? 
Or more than Nancy likes Melissa from Heroes Edition. <laughs> oh my god, you too, you. What do you think of Michael Jackson? I'm sad he's dead. Pop icon? I don't know. What's the next question? That was very random. Who would win in a fight between a baboon and a badger? Badger. What's your favorite kind of olive? Ooh, only ones in martini stuff with blue cheese. No, one's partnered with Seth. <laughs> That's cute. Would you race again with Scott or Blair? I'd race with whoever they put me with. What if it was like The Good Child, where you have Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood, and you can only choose one? First of all, The Good Son is a great movie. It has Wendy Cruzan in it, beloved Canadian actress. But I really loved that movie. Macaulay Culkin was demented in that movie. Scott and I talked about it, and he understands that if Blair and I got the opportunity to race together, that we would take it, and there would be no hard feelings. But Scott and I won, you know? You can't discount racing as a winning team. Yeah, and we think we'd be, champion. Yeah, we think we'd be better the second time around, but we probably wouldn't be. If you had to pair Scott up with anyone in uh, in an all-star stranger season, who would it be? <laughs> from any season? Yeah, from any season. As 31 has proven, there is no bounds anymore for who's brought back. I don't know. I, I have maybe like Tanner and Josh, like some big strapping. Would he not be too distracted? I want him distracted. I want to beat him. Michael, who would you race with from our season? Well, it'd be you or Scott, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. No, but really. No, seriously. I wouldn't care how I did it. It would just be great fun to race I with you. I wouldn't care how I did it, so I'll race with you. You know what I mean. I would rather have a fun experience of hanging out with you guys. The one thing I will say is I've always felt since the beginning that if I, you know, you bring one backpack, which is what they did on 30, which was smart, but I didn't know my partner, so I couldn't do that. If I ever did it again... One backpack and one just little knapsack of stuff to use for challenges. There are things that I would change if I knew my partner. What did you bring that you regretted bringing? Um, I would have brought one more pair of shorts. I brought a pair of, like, not snow pants, but warmer pants, which we would have needed. I wore them in Norway to sleep, but other than that, I didn't wear them. I had a little pair of binoculars. Like, I went through 20-some-odd seasons of the show and wrote down... I typed down on my phone, I have a list of things that people brought with them that were valuable to use on the race. And I went on Amazon and I must have spent $1,000 on just crap. And I returned things here and there and whatever. But I had everything from like a whistle compass, magnifying glass, little calculator, because they had to do a math challenge, like with the gold that time, these Velcro ties that the female doctors use, Nat and Kat, um, at one point. Um, I brought a huge scarf, like in case we were in a place with sand, like the Afghanimals used to carry, I think it was watermelons, and we actually used it with the mannequins. I I was prepared. You have to play to your strengths. And my strengths was not strength. I had to be prepared. For the record, by the way, I know I would suck at Amazing Race, which is why I, su- I said that I would lose regardless, because I would. Who would you run the race from your personal life, Michael? I've always jokingly said one of... To one of two of my best friends because we would just end up screaming at each other. We'd be great TV. We'd be terrible at racing, but great TV. Which is probably why I'm a bit of a kindred spirit with Brooke because, you know... I'm not terrible at racing. No, but, but screaming hell demon would be my default state of mind sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I wish that I had... At one point, I employed the, the um, tactic of, like, singing when I was upset because they wouldn't want to buy the rights to the song. And so 
I figured they wouldn't use it and they didn't, but I talked so damn much that they had so much other stuff to use that didn't matter. What did you sing? Like Disney songs, because I didn't think that they would buy the rights to the music. Favorite Disney song? Um, there is a right answer. There is a right answer because I, I what I was what that singing, right answer is. Well, what I was, what I would sing was either from Beauty and the Beast or from Aladdin. Like I would say, or the Little Mermaid. I sang a bunch of Little Mermaid stuff. Um, in Africa, it was a little bit of the Lion King. But why? What's your favorite Disney song? Logan, what's the correct answer? Be prepared. Correct. Be prepared. Oh, Lion the, be- King. the best uh, Disney villain song. That's fair. That's fair. It's full of puns. It's such a, a br- brilliantly written song. Will you sing it for us right now? No. Sing it like Jeremy Irons. Sing it. <laughs> or Nathan Lane. Wasn't it Jeremy Irons? He's Scar, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Just be playing. Sing it as well. Get it right, right Kuwaki. Yeah, Saunders. In fact, when we got to the pit stop in Venice, Bill said, you know, I know you sang opera in college. And I was like, yeah, he's like, sing it. And I was like, he's like, sing anything. So I started singing something. He goes, nope, not that. We don't want to pay for that. Sing something else. <laughs> but I couldn't remember. Like, my brain was so fried that I couldn't remember the song that we had literally just sang. So none of that made it into air, which is fine. Anyway, Logan, your turn to sing. I usually have to drink a bit more. And then I do, I do a decent Rick James impression when I drink a bit more. Well, have a drink and, and bust a move. <laughs> I don't have any alcohol beside. I'm saving it up for next week. Got to... Singing might be the only thing that I can do better than Blair. That kid is athletic on anything he tries. Not a singer, although I joke around that he has the voice of an angel. Tries. I have to sing with my students when I do tutoring now. I've had to sing like the same song about seven or eight times because it's the same for trial lessons. No, no, I will not. Sing it, Saunders. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. You guys are the worst. You are the people who will ask the questions but will not give the answers. Yeah, good point. Well made. <laughs> that describes Michael. That describes Michael? <laughs> bitch, don't bring me into this. Can that be the I'm title deflecting. of the podcast? Major bitch, deflecting. don't bring me into this. Because I love that title. Bitch, don't bring me into this. Yeah. Ah, you don't ah, know ah. me. Don't know my values. Yeah. To be fair, Logan usually wraps around and sings. I think Logan should give us a rap breakdown. Uh, Floyd, I hear, can out-rap me if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I've never heard you rap. Floyd's good. I don't have a rap prepared. It's usually all... I don't don't freestyle. Okay, Logan, if... Logan, Logan, (laughs) if there's one thing that you should know in life, it is always have a rap prepared. Logan, to quote the best Disney song, be prepared. Yes, Parappa the Rapper. Dick Punch, it's all in the mind. If you want to test me, I'm sure be you'll prepared. find. Yeah, be prepared for the chance of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be prepared for sensational No preparation news. wasted. But I feel like these are things you should know. Like, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh. I don't know. I, I haven't really... I don't sing a regular a karaoke song on a recurring basis. Tends to be a... Tends to be in a variety. What's yours, Brooke? No, I have a few, actually. There's, it's funny. The, I was, Seth Tyler likes to karaoke. When, they, when everyone came to New York and karaokeing, it's probably something from the 80s, like Alone from Heart or something like from Starship, like from Mannequin, which you'll appreciate because, you know. Ah, that's my sister's favorite movie. 
It's a great movie. Didn't um, you and Scotty do karaoke after I uh, I left you in London last year? I seem to remember you did. Oh, we, yeah, 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 yeah. We went to we went to Drag Queen Bingo, which was to die for. And I actually won a shirt that says it's, uh, and then there's a picture of French fries on it, and then it says day, so like it's Friday, and it made me so happy. This is all I wanted was the shirt. And when one of the rounds was over, they brought they brought people up to like sing and whatever. And Scott got brought up to sing a Backstreet Boys song, and it was oh. So have you got anything you want to say to the literally tens of people who who listen to this podcast? Is it really up to tens? It's single digits some weeks, but we're we're pushing into tens. If you were to force Logan to go on uh, Amazing Race with anyone from your season, who would you pair him with? Francesca. No, Jesse. No, oh. Kevin. No. I wouldn't mind Jesse. She's she's a she's a beast. Yeah. Um. Who would I? I feel like you and Kevin are both very laid back. That would not work out well. I'd like to see Logan deal with Jen. Jen's competitive. Yeah, I think she'd drive Logan nuts though. Potentially. Jen's competitive. Um, who would I that I think would be funny? Shamir. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Shamir. I think no, I think it's a good pairing. He's strong yeah. and he's smart. I feel like it would be a good pairing because he'd keep you in line. Shamir or Jesse? He can handle my shit. That's true. He'd be he'd be a bit re- he'd be a. Yeah, and, and we're both fearless. We'd be a very ballsy uh, duo. I, no, stop that. I'm being nice. I was being serious. I feel like it would be a good pairing, and you're turning what I said into something into something dirty, and that's not what I was saying. I am pro-Shamir, and I think Shamir got a crap at it, and I feel for him. I'm sad that he left because he was taking the heat off me. And then once he left... Yeah, if he didn't leave, you guys would have left, so... Well, that's fair, so thanks, Shamir. He died for your sins. Yes, he absorbed the blow. Is he, he's Jesus now? A, a, I mean, I love Shamir, but that might be... A Jesus, yes. That might be a stretch. So what's the one thing you would want to know, Logan? You can ask Brooke anything. Well, before A Bug's Life, what what other movie have you cro- uh, cried watching? What or, all of the Disney... I gotta tell you, every time Mufasa dies, that's heartbreaking. Every time... Um, Belle's father dies. That's heartbreaking. Whenever Disney kills off the parent, Bambi's mom, oh my god. Like, these are horrible moments. And I think Disney is a cruel company, but I love them. They pull at your heartstrings. Who's your favorite hip-hop artist? Uh... That song. A rap song. You don't even have to know who it is. Favorite Backstreet Boy. (laughs) (laughs) That I can answer. That's a problem. You can answer Scott Flattery. Oh my god. (laughs) I, I'm not good with rappers. You know, I feel like Joey Fatone gets a bad, doesn't get the credit that he's due. But obviously mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake. Favorite ride at Disney World? Ooh, Space Mountain. Although, I did just learn from a very smart urologist that Thunder Mountain can help you get rid of a kidney stone. That's a fact. Look it up. And I get kidney stones, so they've done studies on it. But still Space Mountain, because... I also like that log ride, Flash Mountain. I like the mountains. Yeah, Logan's never been to Disney World. I've been lots. Disney World's amazing. You need to go. If you had to force someone from your season to stay on Space Mountain all day, who and why? Can I be the one? Because I would like that. Would you not get really sick? 
No, I love roller coasters. They make me so happy. I w- it would not be Scott because he doesn't like the hype. Although, I would scream worse I than Scott. I don't think he dislikes roller coasters. No, because he and I went to Disney World. Hold on. He and I went to Disney World before this charity event last year. And we we rode, um, like, the Tower of Terror that, that just drops you. I have a great picture of us on there. He he doesn't love that. But he had fun. Like, he, he did the roller coasters. I don't think he's, he doesn't like roller coasters. Have you ever seen the picture of Logan on a roller coaster? Because it's my favorite. No. You haven't. I literally love roller coasters. I have screamed on every single one. I think they're relaxing. I, I like it. I like roller coasters where I feel safe. So, like, Big Thunder Mountain, I love. Well, yeah, because it's like a wussy roller coaster. Oh, I, I'm, I fully admit that I'm a wussy roller coaster. But, like, Space Mountain, I just didn't feel safe. Like, the lap bars were just a bit too low for me. What, are you kidding? The lap bars are always loose on me. I always come out of my seat. Like, I fly two inches off of the seat. from, And that's great. You're, like, zero gravity. That's exactly what I don't want. I don't want to be scared shitless. I like that feeling of floating. Plus, Space Mountain has such a good breeze. It's so nice. That's a good look for you. <laughs> so is there anything you want to tell people before we wrap this up? Um, all those people who are supportive and awesome, thank you. To all those people who are judgy, stop being judgy. And you guys are awesome, and thanks for having me. This is really, really fun. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for so long. I guess what I want people to know is, I don't know, as crappy as some of it was and the edits can be and I'm only showing parts of you, at the end of the day, this show brought me like way more than I ever could have anticipated it giving me, you know? Like I have 20 some odd new friends who I can call for whatever. You got the money. I met a person. Like it's all, it's way more than I ever could have expected. So I'm lucky to have done it. So thanks to Jesse and Bertram and Bill and Elise and Erica and all of the production people. And I hope they make a hundred more because I love this freaking show. So thank you for listening to this Amazing Race podcast. Joining us next time will, of course, be Brooks' other half, Scott. If you've got any questions, feel free to come. Scott? Scott? Oh, no, he does not have a last half. name. Scott's Brooks' other, Brooks other half, Scott. It's like Cher. Oh my God, you just compared Scott to Cher. He's going to love that. <laughs> or Madonna or Madonna has a last name she does? what's Madonna's last name? you can't have Brooke without Scott just as you can't have Scott without Brooke that's just how it works so thank you for listening to this Amazing Race podcast you can join us next week for more Scotty shenanigans if you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, and our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MD Harmstone for me, Log Super Quack for Logan, and the real B Cam High for Brooke. See you next week. Bye. So, and just chill till the next episode. I screwed up Logan's thing, I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, he does it himself normally.